Boomtron. 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 Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Netflix OGs get your groove on. We talk about it all, we could be wrong. Kill the better views like a Demogorgon. Boomtron, but you're never gonna move on. Just a few guys talking about the originals. Yo, pick a favorite show, we can put it on. We know it also, nothing's atypical. And welcome to the Boomtron Podcast. We're talking Book of Boba Fett today. Joined oh, by yeah. Amy and Mark. Hello. Howdy. <laughs> I think it's Amy joined by two super fans today. That's kind of how I feel is, about it. Is that how you feel? I do, because I feel like you two are like big Boba Fett fanboys. And, and to be fair, I feel like every guy that I talk to who has watched Star Wars is like a Boba Fett fanboy. Like... My son was like, oh, I love Boba Fett. And then my husband was like, oh, he was always my favorite. And I'm like, he didn't even register on my radar when I watched the like the original Star Wars and everything. Like, the, the fact that Boba Fett is like a standalone character now that has its own series and that so many people are telling me how, like, Boba Fett was their favorite character and, oh, yeah, I was always so into the story of Boba Fett. I... I no, I knew nothing about Boba Fett, so it's it's a little bananas to me that there's such a fan base that I didn't even know existed before. You know, and I resonate with that whole fan base of Boba Fett thing. That that was me at that age, and uh, people say it's because they 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 knew so little about him. You don't see his face. He has like I think six lines of dialogue across the entire franchise. Um, or I should say the, the first th- uh, episodes four, five, and six, the first three movies to be released. Um, I remember as a kid, to get the Boba Fett figure, you had to cut out proof of purchases from your other figures, mail it in, and wait for like three months to get it, to, to have the figure sent to you. And it was the holy grail of Star Wars figures. So if you, you were have, already... You well, I did. I, I you know, somewhat ambivalently, uh, I, I sold all my Star Wars figures when I was going to grad school so I could have mm. money to, to drink. But um, I, <laughs> I, 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 miss, <laughs> I miss them. And there's actually um, a really cool featurette on Disney Plus about Boba Fett that you can find if you look in the extras section. And the kids just project all of the stuff they want this character to be onto him when they were playing with him. And, and I think that's one of the reasons they love him so much because... You know, he can be this this lone ranger vigilante type. He can be everything badass you want to be. He's, you know, he's just quiet and strong. And um, and he was just a cool character. And he looked cool, too. So the lore of Boba Fett was the fact that you didn't know anything about him. And you could make him whatever character you wanted him to be. Yes, and, back, and back think, in the day. And I think okay. him being connected, you know, in the original movies to like Han Solo and the bounty for Han, like what's the story behind all that? I think kind of right. just added to like the mystery of like, who, yo, who is this guy or what did Han do? And just like all the questions you ask about Boba Fett. And I think you just kind of, you know, attached to that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. The Fair mystery. Enough. The mystery man. <laughs> Fair enough. So five episodes in, right? I know we really haven't talked about the other episodes. So let's, Let's kind of just, I guess, do a quick uh, recap of what's been happening in the book of Boba Fett and what we like, what we don't like, and, uh, you know, kind of cap it off with episode five that's aired earlier this week. 
So what do you Sounds got? good. Well, Sounds I'll, good. Go ahead, Mark. I'll, I'll jump in just saying, uh, so the, the series opens with what, again, I as a fanboy have waited to see for 35, close to 40 years, uh, is what happened after Boba Fett, the coolest character in Star Wars, uh, was unceremoniously <laughs> knocked into the Sarlacc pit by a blonde, Han, a blind Han Solo and a, a strategically placed accidental, you know, saber or or, a, or um, axe puncture to his jetpack. Uh, right, right. His death in Return of the Jedi was such a painful joke. I've I, I've nursed that wound for decades, and so uh, we got to see what happened to him via a flashback. Uh, because and and they use he has a hydro tank um, that. Uh, helps to heal all of his wounds from the Sarlacc pit. So he goes into his tank, he sleeps, he dreams, and we have flashbacks of everything that happened from the moment he awakened in the Sarlacc pit and escaped to befriending Tusken Raiders uh, and and teaching them a certain way of life and then kind of the journey from there to becoming this daimyo crime boss over in Mos Eisley. Um, I'll jump in by saying, for starters, I was very frustrated to see the escape from the Sarlacc pit get as little attention as it did. I mean, <laughs> it was, again, I've been thinking about this for decades. Maybe I'd love to do this like with like someone like that's Gen Z, like Amy, one of your sons or something, and see if they loved it and thought it was cool or if they were just super pissed like I was. But um, uh, it was, I, I just wanted to see more. He, he sticks his hand out of the sand, like, you know, Night of the Living Dead style. And mm-hmm. climbs out, and then he's being robbed of his armor by Jawas, and then boom, he's naked and scarred, and heading off with the Tuscan, you know, being captured by the Tuscan Raiders, um, and that is not the Boba Fett that I knew and loved. So one of the things, and I'm sure I will harp on this a lot, and, and let me first state for the record, I love this show. I okay. I would watch Boba Fett read the World Book Encyclopedia, and I would love that show too. Um, okay. This is a great show. It's not the show I needed it or wanted it to be in terms of how they retconned this character and and who he has turned into in the course of the first four episodes. And I think all of that was driven home by this most recent episode that was Mandalorian focused because it reminded the Mandalorian is all things cool that Boba Fett was that he doesn't seem to be in this new in this new show. (laughs) But I think. But I think that's kind of the story or the, the, the way they're painting it. And I think he says it in episode four, the idea that being a tribe, having a tribe is important. And I think you kind of see that with the Mandalorian too, where he was all by himself, lone, like a loner, until he met Grogu and, you know, and kind of formed that relationship. And you kind of see that happening with... Boba Fett as well. So I think that that's kind of like the whole thing that they're going for, the importance of having a tribe, a team. And I, I, I really enjoy it because, again, we don't know anything about Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Like, we just knew he was a bounty hunter. And then to see him be accepted with the Tusken Raider, which I thought was awesome. Like, I just – I something I really love about Disney Plus and what they're doing with not just, like, Star Wars, but, like, Marvel. is like you get to see these other characters and you get to, like, know about them – in case you didn't know anything about them. I think that's just really cool. Yeah. I, and I think and my heart goes out to uh, John Favreau and people writing for Book of Boba Fett slash The Mandalorian and anyone who does Marvel for that matter because there's so much canon that you 
want mm-hmm. to, out of respect for the fans that you want to lean into and acknowledge and, and maintain. At least with Marvel, they've gotten now this you know concept of multiple universes, and they can kind of rewrite a few things here and there. But they don't have that yet with Star Wars. And so uh, if you're a giant geek, hello, and you know things like, you, you know, you've, you've read some of the books, Star Wars Legends, you've watched the Clone Wars, that sort of thing. I mean, Boba Fett was all the things pri- previously that the Mandalorian seems to be in his show. Uh, there was the Bounty Hunters Guild, the power struggle on Mandalore, um, even Boba Fett being a, an unexpected father figure, and of course, all the cool, cool tech. Mandalorian has all of that. And so to instantly go into this Tusken Raiders relationship, which I like, again, I like the story, but it's Boba in like pajamas and a stick. And so for me, it was just a complete reinvention of Boba Fett, which I guess is sort of what Disney wants to do. And uh, I'm I'm just learning to love it in a different way, if that makes okay. sense. Okay. It, no, Lo- it makes sense. Love it more. <laughs> I want to. I'm here for it. Right. Right. See, the thing that, and again, the thing that I love about The Mandalorian is I love that, I, I love the relationship the Mandalorian, ha- again, for such a solitary person. And even in episode five here, right, they're warning you, like, attachments are not the way, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're not supposed to have bonds. You're not supposed to have people. Um, but I love the bond that he forms with Grogu. And even still, like, the relationships, the smaller relationships that he forms with the people that he works with, right? Um, the the lady who is, like, the mechanic, Right. Um, and even the armor, right, which he, who he has to keep going back for, like just these smaller relationships, which shows that that solitary way isn't the way. That's the, that's the thing they really like. And although I'm not head over heels for the Boba Fett, I'm, I'm not 100% in love with this series, I like his relationship with Fennec, right? And that's why I loved episode four, chapter four, I guess they're calling them chapters, where we get that backstory, right? Um, Of why is she loyal and how did they become friends and and those kinds of things. And that's that's the stuff that I like because I agree with you. I think so many people, his coolness lays in his, not him alone, but his interaction in other parts of the story, right? In the Han Solo story, in the this story, in the that story. And he was such a lone wolf then. To see him with other people now, I kind of like that. So I don't, I think maybe the reason that I'm liking, to the extent that I'm liking it, I'm liking the side characters and how Mm. they work in with his story as opposed to really being into his story on its own. I don't know if that makes any sense. But. You know, it makes total sense to me. And it, 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 for me, it's like I need something to fill the void that was left behind when Buffy and the Scooby gang were canceled. Right. You know, it's like, right. yeah. and, and you could, you just, you really want a good team where everyone brings a different skill set and a different personality and they, and, and they work together so well. They're so critical and crucial to one another. Right. Um, one thing I, I love Fennec. Uh, oh, a, a quick shout out to the casting of this show. Yes. Yep. Ming Na Wen and Jennifer Beals, who plays the uh, the owner <laughs> of the casino, <laughs> gorgeous, right? Hot, hot, hot. Fifty eight years old, both of them. I, ridiculous. And 
you know, in an age where Hollywood doesn't always, well, I say in an age like it's been different before, Hollywood does not recognize the value of older women and casting older women. And for them to put these two in such prominent roles, especially Ming-Na Wen, mm-hmm. brilliant, brilliant. Um, and I, I love them. Um, she is such a stoic, Fennec is such a stoic kind of straight man type character. And and Boba Fett is as well. And I thought the two of these two together are, uh, the, or, sorry, these two together are going to be boring. Like I need comic relief. I need my Xander you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the Buffy gang or whatever. Uh, but they've been, it's, they've been playing off of each other very well. And she delivers this kind of dry, deadpan, side-eye kind of, of sidekick that I've really enjoyed. And getting to see their origin story, now you realize why such a strong, independent female is still standing, to, you know, just to the back of and to the side of this Boba Fett character. Because up until then, I couldn't understand why she wasn't just conking him on the head. And saying right. I'm the di- I'm the daimyo now. So, but anyway, I'm sorry. Just to just to agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about the the backlash that the I think it was episode two or three with the the colorful bikes and that whole scene where they were chasing the mayor's assistant over in Mos Eisley? I heard it got a lot of backlash. People were were not happy with it. Yeah. I, uh, a good friend of mine, Justin, who I, I text a lot about the show, um, he is like uber fan. He knows all things Star Wars. And uh, he wasn't really digging the, the bikes as much at first. Um, but I, I liked him. Um, the, oh, another thing is that female character, Dresh or Drash, um, that actress is also, uh, she plays Natalie in Yellow Jackets, Amy, which you and I have yes. been watching. Yep. I love her. I, I love. Yep. The bikes were a little Voltron, a little colorful <laughs> for, for the planet of Mos Eisley. Um, but I think it kind of helped to underscore just the great difference of the old guard versus the new guard. And uh, I I like it. I, I see potential there. The cars, the, the car chase through the streets was, I don't know. I, I, it, it felt, felt a little. It felt slow to me. It felt silly to me. Yeah. Um, it was just slow. Like the, the, the motorcycles looked slow. The car looked slow. I just, I thought that was, that was my only critique of it. It just seemed slow. It wasn't, and I don't know if because I guess they're driving in these tight little spaces and alleys yeah. and streets and whatnot, and they, they can't be driving really fast, but it just felt slow for Star Wars. Like when I think about Star Wars and I think about like the scenes of like, you know, the TIE fighters, it, it's fast. The fight scene with the lightsabers is fast. Well, and Pod racing is fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and the speeder bikes on Endor. I yeah. Mean, similar construction and a, another tight uh, obstacle fraught location. And they did that so much more, so much differently, I think. Uh, and that was back in, when they were using stop motion animation instead of all the CGI wonders we have now. So you feel like they could have done a lot more. Like it, even in the tight streets, I felt like that could have been executed in a, in a better way. So I, I struggle with that too. Right. Uh, favorite character besides Boba Fett? And not counting Mandalorian? Or does he yes, count? Not can- <laughs> no, he, does, he, he, he doesn't count. He's not, he's, he, this is not his show. Um, for, well, uh, for me, I, I, of course, I love Fennec and, and, and you know, I, I love their, their relationship. But I'm getting a kick out of the mayor's assistant. Who, That's who I was going to say. <laughs> How many ways can you say F you with a smile right. and pleasantries? And, and he does it. So I, yes. Yeah, I like that. What about you, Diego? 
Uh, I like Fennec. Fennec's good. Fennec's good. Yeah. And her whole like- uh, her whole robot midsection, like I didn't realize that was kind of cool. Could you imagine? That was like, really cool. It, could you I imagine liked, waking up with that? I know, right? That's what that's again. That's one of the things that I really liked about that fourth episode. I, so I feel like the fifth episode was the best episode. But again, we I feel like you almost can't count it as an episode of Boba Fett because it was about the Mandalorian. Um, so if I have to take the fifth episode out, I think the fourth episode is my favorite. Um, and I feel like it was my favorite for a bunch of different reasons. First of all, like I said, I liked the the backstory of how he and Fennec came to be partners. I was glad to see the Sarlacc get its comeuppance. Um, I'm assuming, Mark, that you also really enjoyed that um, since you've been <laughs> so angry at the Sarlacc all these years. Uh, because it just has always creeped me out. Like yeah. this, these teeth and the sand. And, ah, and no, thank you. Um, I loved the, the cyber parts of Fennec and seeing how that came to be. I also, though, thought, and now I'm questioning myself on, on which episode it was, but I thought it was really interesting that when he goes and there's that dinner with, like, the crime families or whatever, mm-hmm. he doesn't ask them to support him. He asks them to stay neutral if the Pikes want them to betray him, right? He doesn't say, like, if the Pikes come to you, I want you to either tell me or I want you to kill them or I want you to join me. He just says, if the Pikes ask you to betray me or ask you to, you know, attack me, whatever, I'm just asking that you can stay neutral. And I thought that was an interesting, I thought it was smart, right? Because I feel like the instinct would be to say, you know, this is what might happen and I need you on my side and what can we do to join together and blah, 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 blah. And, and going at it that way, I thought was just an interesting way to go. Well, and I appreciate that Fennec questioned that as they were leaving and she was out on the balcony with him. Um, yeah. Because I was thinking this, I mean, I, this is, again, this is where I, I'm enjoying Boba Fett for who he is now, but that doesn't fit with the Boba Fett of, of lore. Um, he is not about leading with respect and compassion and mercy. He's not, uh, he, he's more morally gray. And this Boba Fett is so new, uh, honorable and noble. Right. And so it's for changed, her to ask man. him, the yeah, that, that Sarlacc juice, man, that Sarlacc juice really messes you up. But uh, <laughs> she asked him about that. And he said, basically, he can't trust them to be loyal to him, but he can trust them to do what's best for themselves. Right. And so he's really thinking big picture. So that's, you know, that was a cool way to couch that whole character. You know shift. who else, you know, who else is a cool character? Uh, Kersatan? Am I saying that right? Kersatan? The Wookiee? Oh, the Wookiee. Oh, uh, Christian, oh man, my friend's gonna kill me if he listens to this podcast. I should know this. Um, I yeah, I want to see more of him and just he that has, side eye. I love he it. He has that uh, you know, that old Boba Fett feel. Like, who is this guy? What's his story? And I know he has a lot of backstory and whatnot. Yes. But like, if you're just new to this and you see him for the first time, you're like, wait, who is this guy? He looks mm-hmm. pretty cool. He's a badass. He was and, fighting in the pits. Like, who? Yes. And, and when um, Garza, the, the, the club owner, uh, when, she, when she is talking about, don't rip this guy's arm off. You've done all these things in the past. This isn't going to impress anybody. And he's looking at her and he's listening. And then he's like, growl, yanks the arm off of the guy. <laughs> like, right, right. I love that. But no, you know what? So I'd like to amend my answer. I think he's my favorite, second favorite character, too, as well. Okay. All right. So let's talk about episode five, right? Because that's 
the latest episode, and we get to see the return of the Mandalorian. And yeah, pretty much, yeah. this is this is like the preseason of Mandalorian season three. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I definitely felt that way. And it was dope. It was dope. Um, you got to see the Mandalorian right off the bat, looking for a bounty. Gets hurt. He makes it. He gets the bounty's head, and makes his way to meet with the armorer. And you know they start melting down his spear. She, he shows her the black saber, and then the one guy, he's like, "Yo, that's my family saber." I want it. Let's battle. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting because with that saber, like as that's happening and the fact that like, you know, you have to, you can't just take it. You have to win it in battle, etc. All I could think then was, so is this now like going to be the new thing? Like everywhere he goes, people are going to be trying to battle him for this. Like if that's the case, let's just get rid of it. Right. Um, and then, um, that being said, too, when the again, he he has not like a relationship relationship with the armorer, but kind of has this relationship with the armorer, right? Every time he's at the armors, she offers some kind of sage advice, um, which I would be like, maybe I'll just find another armorer because I don't need to listen to you all these times. But um, I thought it was interesting, just the melting down, right, and and turning into rings. And I'm curious what's going to happen with those rings. Hmm. I have a theory. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, so I've seen some stuff online where they think that just by virtue of the fact that she tied that little package up to look like his head, that is oh, probably some kind of a helmet. But uh, I think that was chainmail. I think he's making some kind of a little, you know, Grogu-sized oh. armor, you know, armor for him because in that battle with the pug dog gangsters earlier. Um, he uh, cut himself with the black sword. Right. So I think he wants the, the most powerful substance out there to protect Grogu from, from any kind of injuries like that. Okay. Hmm. That's my theory. That's possible. That's actually a pretty good pretty good point. I loved in this episode, I loved when he... And again, this is, this is one of the things that I like about The Mandalorian that I didn't feel so much with Boba Fett is I like that there were within... The show, there's like these moments of, if not levity, um, at least moments of like, you know, like, oh, you know, that that's cute. That's funny. I love when he was getting on the commercial flight and he has to take out all of his weapons, right? And so then he's like taking them out and he's putting them in this case and everybody else is just loading up and getting on and he's still taking off all this stuff. But then I like when he was on the flight. And again, for somebody who's supposed to be no attachments – you know, no relationships, a solo person, the the little kid in the seat in front of him, which if you've been on an airplane or a bus who hasn't had this experience, right, where a little kid is turning around and just peering at you uncomfortably over the back of the seat, um, that which then makes him pull out the little pouch, right, the little Grogu head-shaped oh, pouch, and look at that. that. Um, like almost like, you know, Oh, I miss him. I can't wait to see it. You know, very fatherly, I thought. And I just thought that was, was, I don't know, just kind of a nice moment. And it was one of those moments that, again, I don't get when I'm watching Boba Fett. And that's one of the things that I'm missing in that series um, is just like, I don't know. Even though Boba Fett does have these relationships, like with Fennec or whatever, 
he just seems like a harder person. I don't know if that makes sense. Like not just, I don't know, just a harder person. Mm -hmm. And I like the so-called softer side of the Mandalorian sometimes, I think. And that's why I was glad for this episode because I was like, oh, this is what I miss. When I was watching Boba Fett, like I'm watching it, but I, I might do some other things here and there. When I was watching, when, when episode five started, as soon as he's on the screen, I was like, oh, and like I kind of stopped everything else I was doing just to focus on that, you know? Mm. Um, so for me, again, not being this longtime fan of Boba Fett, this was my favorite episode because I was like, yes, this is the stuff that I like. Um, so, and also Bryce Dallas Howard directed it and I love, love her. anything that she touches. So yeah. there was that for me too. Um, I, for me, uh, I, I feel like the, the Tuscan flashbacks, well, first of all, I, I fanboyed out when the Tuscan Raiders became such a big part of this show because that was one of those first action figures that ever came out with Star Wars Volume 4. And uh, so it just took me right back to that place in my early childhood. Uh, I feel like to show Boba Fett's softer side, and ha if, if they're going to make that choice, which clearly they, they're doing, and have him do all of this bonding and, and bridging cultural gaps with the Tusken Raiders, what a choice. Like these, these creatures that you know have these half-mechanized, non-removable helmet faces and don't speak a lick of English and just make these right. sounds like they're... Like they just took the cayenne pepper challenge. But, um, you know, you saw him bond with these people. And then, of course, the tragedy when the Pike gang, you know, slaughtered them all. And so he may be putting up his walls again. But at least they, you know, he was stripped of his armor literally and metaphorically and had this relationship with the Tuscans. I wish it would have been a different group of people. And if you're going to if you're going to go down that pathway, give me more of a, you know, a two-way street and and more emotion so that the loss is even greater when he comes back and finds them you know in a heap a heap of burning love um right so yeah i i it's i was ambivalent about the choice of the tuscan raiders i saw some some strengths and some drawbacks i don't know what do you guys think um i like the tuscan raiders man i really do other than that, I, I don't know. I think you've been. I think you've been snorting the lizard. <laughs> I just. I. I like the whole story. I like learning about characters that I don't know about. Like I said before, like it's yeah. just. It's. It's a different take. It's because when you see the Tuscan Raiders, you just see them as this, what looks like wild, tribe of misfits, mm -hmm. who can't hit anything with their their shots, <laughs> and then you and then you find out that they're like pretty solidly trained people mm -hmm. that and like that the desert's there it's like this is their territory and everyone else is kind of like encroaching on it it had a real native american parallel for me I, as you say that it reminded me what i was thinking with that um, like yellowstone yeah see, there you go <laughs> please watch our other episodes no um they, uh no they um th th that culture the the sort of spirituality of it the the journey he went on with the lizard up his nose to get the stick. And then the oh, fact man, that, that was crazy. He spent 30 <laughs> minutes carving the stick, which that was fun. But, um, and then even in that one episode, they did a tribal dance around a fire, you know, and, and all the while technology and these other cultures are coming and encroaching on their lands with this entitlement and, 
and taking right. things from them. So yeah, I and when he was, was like, te- he was teaching them like with the uh, the the the, the, the speeder speed bikes. bikes. Yeah. yeah, that was a fun montage. That was cute. <laughs> that that was actually really cute. I enjoyed that that scene. So it's interesting that you're saying that because I guess I hadn't really pieced that part together about the Tusken Raiders, but I I think that's something about Star Wars in general. And I would say particularly episodes four, five, and six, I feel like once they once they got really heavily into like the CGI and those kind of things, I, I kind of lost the feeling with episodes one, two, and three. And then here and there, I get it back a little bit. I felt it. I, fe- I definitely feel it in Boba Fett, though. It's, I think, one of the, I don't know, the, the genius things about Star Wars, right? is this feeling where it is the the technology is ridiculous right like what they they have droids and the fact that they have like these old broken down droids which are like i don't know and and like these junkyards full of like this old broken down tech makes it look like a society that doesn't have this super technology right like even when you think about um the mandalorian's buddy lady who who owns the junkyard and she fixes up the old these old things it's it's all such high tech but when they're looking at like the old broken junky tech it looks like they live in a world without tech but everything's technologically based and i don't know how to describe it any differently than that i i'm doing a really poor job um, but I, I think it's really, there's just something about that, that it's almost like a steampunk kind of thing and yet totally different, um, where you're, you, you have to imagine, right? Because it's, it's fake, but you have to imagine that it's this highly, highly, highly technologically advanced society. People are shooting around in spaceships, right? They're having, I mean, star wars, literally wars out amongst the stars, etc. Every planet they're on, even these planets that have nothing, they have, you know, like they're going around on floating cars or they're on these floating motorcycles or whatever. And yet, they're, some of the places that they visit are supposed to be like these low-tech places, but even their low-tech is better than our high-tech. I don't know. There's just something about the world building in Star Wars that's always appealed to me um, because it's it's just so unique. It's mm. so super unique um, in the way that it's all that it all comes together. I don't know that I just wasted like five minutes of everybody's time trying to explain that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, a I, simple I, no would have sufficed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you though because the fact that there are so, so many different cultures and civilizations and planets in this universe is one of the things that makes Star Wars so amazing because just like you're introduced to new characters throughout the franchise you're introduced to new planets and in many ways these planets are characters themselves the way you see them explored and exposed in in the movies um and I'm you know I'm losing my fanboy cred here now but like if you think about in Rise of uh, Skywalker I think it was the casino planet Mm-hmm. You know, like where everything was there, you know, they had the the horse racing and the casinos and all that type of stuff, not the horses, but whatever those creatures were, um, yeah. you know, and then you think about the planet in this episode of Mandalorian, episode five from Book of Boba Fett, um, 
you know, again, a luxury planet. Everything's automated and high tech. And, and then you look at Mos Eisley or Tatooine and this village of Mos Eisley, which is where most of this is based. Uh, and even there, you've got, you have your biker gang, the rainbow biker gang, whatever they're called. Um, and they're, they're sort of anachronistic. They stand out in this otherwise kind of cunt, this old spaghetti western type village where there's just not much tech. One of my critiques of Book of Boba Fett thus far, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm clinging to my love of Boba Fett himself from you know previous incarnations, is that he's a, he was a bounty hunter. He didn't have a home. He hopped from place to place to place. And I feel like this show could do so much more if he wasn't content to sit and be a crime boss of a small town on a desert planet. That's, again... yeah. Yeah, I feel like a wasted right. opportunity. And that's one of the great things about The Mandalorian is that he's always going to different places, right? Mm-hmm. And Boba Fett is sitting in Jabba's old place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that, and that's maybe that's part of what's what I'm not like 100% buying into is that it doesn't feel like there's something new and exciting every episode. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why this random show popped into my head, but... I think about shows like Quantum Leap, where every oh, episode, I love Quantum Leap. right? Oh my God. Where every episode is <laughs> you, self. You look like someone that would like Quantum Leap. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to take that. Um, I liked every, Quantum Leap too, though, when I was a kid. Okay, all right. Good. <laughs> but, but it's like every show, he jumped into a different identity. He solved a problem and then jumped out. And there was still that overall arc of him trying yes. to get home and find out why he's on this journey. But every episode was self-contained. And Mandalorian gave us that too. Every mm-hmm. episode almost had a different locale, a different problem to be solved. He'd solve the problem, but all along the way, learning to kind of to care for Grogu more and having his code challenged and 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 you know, the greater arc of getting Grogu to where he needed to be safe. Um, and for me, I feel like we're just watching that like the, the this singular episode, albeit with the flashbacks, but he's just sitting in most Eisley and becoming a crime boss. And, and I, I want more. Right. I want more. <laughs> I don't need a, mu- oh, maybe they'll do a musical episode. No, please. Oh, no, God, no, please. No, that would be the biggest jump the shark moment ever. Uh, that would be really hard to stomach. Even for me, <laughs> I'd be devastated. Amy, you'd love it. You love that musical stuff when they do it on shows. You know what? I don't, I don't. I, and You're I a liar. This. I'm you not lo- lying. You're I'm... like, you're like, oh my god, that Lucifer episode was my favorite episode in the whole show. Oh, I, I did the... enjoy that. I did See? enjoy that. Yeah. But what I don't like is when they randomly break into song in the middle of like a movie or a show where it doesn't fit. That kind of stuff, I'm not on board with. I don't know how you'd make that work in Boba Fett. So. Well, see, I'm gay. That's in my DNA. We actually do that in real life. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I just don't know if we could sell it with Boba Fett, but who who knows? Who knows? I I would actually love to see the Mayor's Apprentice ah! out with some kind of because you know it would be like a song that's full of super snark and like you know totally undercutting people while like you said with a smile on his face. So it would have a real sort of Avenue Q feel with all of the the puppets. Yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, what do you guys what do you guys think of the choice to have? Uh, the, the original Boba Fett actor, uh, Tamara Morrison, played this character. Are you digging him? Because one of the critiques I've seen online, uh, it, it, even though it's a, such a great nod to the history of the character by using that actor, 
he's about 20 or 30 years older in this show than he should be. Right. Because this show essentially takes place in the years shortly following Return of the Jedi. Um, and he, I believe he's been in the Sarlacc pit for like three or four years or something. I don't know how it works without him, to, to be honest. I don't, the, I wouldn't like I'd still watch, obviously, but him being on it, I just, I, I think is dope. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I, I I like the reusing of, you know, the original characters because truthfully, at the same time though, would you know? If it was somebody like, did did he, did he ever take his his helmet off in the original? I don't remember. Again, I don't remember much of this character. So, like, not, would people know if it was a different guy? Like, he, would there have been uproar? He did not in four, five, and six, uh, the the first three movies in the franchise that came out. But mm-hmm. he did in uh, one, two, and three, the the Anakin Skywalker, Hayden Christensen, Ewan McGregor films in that oh, era. Okay. Um, okay. And. Uh, they even um, the the little boy who played Boba Fett as a child. They even had him come back and do voiceover acting and stuff for the the cartoons to follow. Oh, I think. Right. Oh, and I and the little boy I think had a cameo in one of the flashbacks of of this show. I can't remember. Like looking out a window somewhere. Or maybe I'm dreaming that. I don't know. I do dream about Star Wars. <laughs> and I, you know, I... I think with regards to like him being older than he's supposed to be, at the same time, you know, he's a human among a whole bunch of non-humans. Um, so, That's how I feel on this show. You know, like age is real. Like, who can you tell how old any of the other aliens are on the show or sure. other species are on the show? And he lives a hard life. So maybe, you know, they can write it off as that he just looks old because he's, you know, this guy who's living a hard life and that ages you. Well, you know? I was getting that one scene where uh, Kashtastan, the, the bad Wookiee, the dark Wookiee, I call him the dark yeah, Chewbacca, yeah. dark Chewbacca, uh, when, when he yanked him out of his, cry, his uh, hydro chamber and there was yes. that big fight. I was getting a real king and I feel with him in his little yes. white pants. And <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Little Yule Brenner on a Boba Fett. Yeah. Diego, so, the king and I is a musical, just so you'll know. I figured. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing uh, that I think we should touch upon is, I guess, not really Boba Fett related, but Mandalorian. And where do we see, based on what we saw here in episode five, where do we see Mandalorian going? What's our predictions there? Well, I'm going to have to let you guys come up with those predictions because I only got halfway through the episode before we had to record the podcast. So I have no predictions because I don't well, know Well, Amy, you know what ended. they say. Some people care about the podcast more uh, than others. I, I know. I know. They, they do. They say that. They say They'd that on the streets. wrong if they said it wasn't me. But um, anyway, go ahead. What, what are your predictions, gentlemen? Mark, do you want to go first? Oh, well, I, I, so uh, at the very end, we have Fennec Shand showing up at uh, the Mandalorian's place to, to obviously she's recruiting him. We're, we're back now up to speed with what's happening in book of Boba Fett. Um, I think as far as I'm, as far as I know, I do not think that there is another, uh, well, there is a Mandalorian season three coming out, right? Yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, I I think probably it's going to have kind of a walking dead feel to it where some characters 
pop out of the show and pop into others. I think we're going to have Mandalorian side by side with Boba Fett again, um, which I think is a smart choice because of the popularity of Mandalorian. Um, but I, you know, I don't. I think it's going to be kind of one of those things where his Mandalorian's overarching goal is to, you know, get back to Grogu and, you know, protect him. Maybe he'll be Grogu's Fennec Shand. But for now, he's. I think he's going to go in there and have a big colossal battle with the Pikes at the side of Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. That's my thought. Yeah, I mean, we def- I definitely see the reunion with Grogu. And I think some danger. A lot of danger with Grogu. Do you think that Grogu will speak? Mm, I think. I think patience must you have. Patience must you have. You've got a real talent for that, Diego. Between that and uh, doing Roy from Ted Lasso. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I I, hope if he speaks that he has a better English tutor than Yoda did because I I think that's, it's like a Groot thing. That's, that's how they talk. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like, you know, if we're talking, because what I foresee happening eventually with, with the Mandalorian and Grogu is I I don't think he's going to be a Fennec. I don't think that's going to be part of their journey together. I think, I think his relationship with Grogu is this constant that he has to let him go, right? Like, he let him go be with the Jedi to train or whatever. And even his, his junkyard buddy, she was like, why'd you do that? When he said, I sent him back to be with his own kind, right? Why would you do that? Like, he needs to be with you. And I think that it's, that's, I feel like that's going to be his journey with Grogu is that he might get to Grogu, give him his little chain mail or whatever it is that he's going to give him. But then it's going to be like, a, and, and, and that's the thing. I'm wondering if, he's going to be the one making the decisions or if Grogu is going to start talking and be like, you know, this is my journey and your journey is this other thing and you have to go do that. Because I don't, as much as we would all love for him to be Grogu's sidekick, because, I mean, let's be honest, Grogu's nobody's sidekick. Um, hmm. I, I don't see them having a future together. Um, I don't know well, if they were to say that, but... And, you know, logistically speaking, if we're still dealing with live action and CGI enhancements versus an animated series, mm-hmm. Grogu can't, I mean, we, we last saw Grogu being carried off to be trained and raised by Luke Skywalker. Right. You know, we're not going to get to watch a, an entire season of, of a young digitized Luke Skywalker. That would probably be really... Montage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but so, but that's you know, the thing, I, too. Sorry, just no, going go back to what I was saying. That's the thing, too, is that's also parenting. And that's kind of the role that he's taken on, right? Your role as a parent is to keep them safe and raise them and then set them free. And so that is kind of the the role that he's taken, right? He, he got him safely to where he needed to get him, and then he has to let go and let the rest of the world do the training now, you know? So, again, that's why... I'm super looking forward to a reunion, but I think it's going to be a reunion and not a spin like <laughs> not a yeah, like not a okay, the band's back together now. Mm. Like I think it'll be more of a visit. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, and I think that's kind of again that sort of encapsulated episodic 
way that Mandalorian plays out. I think that probably will just be a, a, a brief reunion with with. I I, I think the Mandalorian's character, uh, Jindarin, is surprising himself by how much he's attached to Grogu, and right. I think that Grogu is going to kind of cut that off a little bit. Because also the Jedi way too is to not form strong yeah. attachments outside and that, of the Jedi outside of the Jedi Order. That brings me to this uh, this picture I saw uh, earlier this week, and it has Grogu kind of sitting on a rock, and he's playing with like that silver ball that mm-hmm. the Mandalorian gave him, and he's having a conversation with a, like a young Padawan, and the Padawan's like, "Master Grogu, I thought Jedi were not supposed to form attachments," and he says, "Attachments do not lead to the dark side. Fear losing them does." I do not understand. You can be attached to someone, but not fear to lose it. Treasure those around you while you can and rejoice when they return to the force. You mean when they die? Death is a natural part of life. I wish it weren't, but it is. Once you accept that, the dark side will never take you. I have to live knowing that life and death are inseparable? It sounds impossible. The master gently touches his paladron. No Padawan. It is not impossible. It is the way. And I thought that was hmm. dope. That's interesting. Where did you see that? Uh, I, I, I don't know if someone just made it or it's from something. Actually, I'll send it to you guys in the chat. But I thought it was really dope. And then it makes me think, like, man, did, did the Mandalorian die? Like, did he die saving Grogu? Like, what's so... I like this storyline, like, this this little thing here. And I... I I'm I'm digging the Mandalorian and their That's relationship, and I'm yeah. thinking maybe maybe Grogu doesn't follow that you know no attachment kind of thing, and he goes his on his own Jedi journey and changes that kind of perspective yeah. on it. Maybe or maybe the reunion, like maybe the next season of the Mandalorian is him trying to get to Grogu, and then. Like the last episode, if if they're gonna set it up for like a season four, but like the last episode is like him, I don't know, fighting or getting involved with something or whatever, and and like just about dying, and then Grogu saving him, like Grogu coming in and using the force to save the Mandalorian, like that would be a full circle moment, right? Like the the you know the student has become the master or the child has become the parent or whatever. And then if Hmm? if that happens and then he's, (laughs) if that happens and then he's like, you know, Oh oh my God, you saved me. Thank you so much. And then he's like, yes, I have learned what I needed to learn. And now we must go travel our own paths. I don't know. And then the lifetime thriller spinoff, not without my Grogu. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's exactly. I I I love shows like this that have so much lore and history, and because it lets people, even, even as confining as some of that can be to write in, it still frees people up because they know these characters and and the locations and the quests and the motivations, and you can have so much fun just thinking about you know, it, let alone creating actual stories, but just thinking about the different combinations and. It all takes me back to my childhood and having these characters and playing with them and playing out all of my little sagas with them. I will always have a special place in my heart for Star Wars and and this epic tale. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Right. That's a good place to end it, Mark. Yeah, hey, deep. That's deep. <laughs> You're welcome. So, so guys, so you know, we'll we'll keep watching Boba Fett. I know Mark and Amy, you mentioned Yellow Jackets. I actually finished that. That show was really dope. So if you're looking for something else, definitely catch that. So uh, Boba Fett continues. How many episodes are they are they doing for Boba there's Fett? There's only six. So there's only one more episode. So one more episode of Boba Fett. We'll definitely talk about that. Talk about any other shows. Uh, and then, you know, as always, stay tuned. We'll figure out what we're going to watch on the Netflix podcast side of it. And as always, you know, check out the Facebook page, the social media. Let us know what you think. Let us know if we're missing anything there for Boba Fett or The Mandalorian. Let us know your theories. And as always, thanks for listening. We will catch you next time. May the force be with you. Hmm? This is just a disclaimer. No members of the Boomtron podcast are employed by any of the streaming services mentioned in this episode. Nor do they have any business ties with those streaming services. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and all news and information that is shared is simply what these yahoos found online.